today about uh, families. Uh, we're, we're week two. And by the way, a huge thing happened last week. Let me just, I got a couple celebrations to throw out. One of them is that we broke the 400 barrier for the first time as a church. And so that's exciting. I mean, we, we actually surpassed 400 for the very first time in the history of Southbridge Church over Easter weekend. And it's kind of a weird feeling, too, because you guys were, you know, a lot of you were here for the first service, and you didn't see, necessarily see the people in the second service and vice versa. But uh, all in all, over 400 people showed up last weekend to uh, celebrate Easter. So we hope that uh, all of them come back over the next few weeks and participate in what's going on. Um, another, another thing that we want to celebrate is moms. Next week is Mom's Day, Mother's Day. And so I want to make sure you invite your mom and, and come. There's going to have a little special treat, iced coffee for moms. Yeah, yeah there you go, all right. Uh, and everybody, everybody's excited about that, but it's going to have some iced coffee for moms. And Jennifer and I are going to do a very candid conversation about raising kids. And so that's what, what's going to happen next week. So you, you definitely don't want to miss that. Um, so, so back to this whole idea of rescuing my family. Um, you know, what do you do when your family's falling apart? I mean, what, what do you do? You know, what, what do you, I mean, because here's the, here's, the, here's the reality of what we're talking about today. Probably everybody in this room at one point or another has faced a family situation that about ripped your heart out. I mean, maybe right now you're in the middle of one of those situations. Maybe, maybe it's a, it's a, 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 a you know, father-son relationship. Maybe it's a husband-wife relationship. Maybe, you know, what, whatever that family dynamic that's created all kinds of pain. And what do you do? I mean, how do you gain perspective so that somehow we can make sense of the brokenness, if you will, that's in our families? And somehow get to that place where we can be rescued because we're so fractured or upside down or whatever that is. And the reality, I think, is simply this, is we desperately, if there's one area, I mean, every week I'm probably going to get up and say the same thing. Because I think every week it's a big deal. I mean, we're talking about family this week, we're talking about kids next week, we're talking about marriage, we're talking about our futures. I mean, all those things are huge. And so I think we're, we're right in the right spot, what, we're, what we need to be talking about here. Now, I want to jump right into a text. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs in Ecclesiastes, and, and basically when he went to God, he said to God, he said, God, I would like something from you, and God said, well, what do you want? Anything you want, and you know what he asked for? Wisdom. And so as part of that, I believe that he was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon, which is all about, let's say it together, sex. Oh, okay, don't, don't want to shock the early morning crowd here. You guys are sleeping still. Uh, anyway, but uh, so he wrote all these things, and one of the, in, in, in Proverbs, there's, there's this verse that I stumbled upon in Proverbs 24, verse 3, and I actually brought it in two different versions because it, it made more sense that way. And here's what it says. It says, homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. Homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. And then in, in the New Century Version, it says it takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. You know, so, so all, all that. And so let me just say something real quick. And, and here's, here's, today is not going to be that silver bullet. I mean, it just isn't going to happen that way. I mean, if you're facing situations in your family that are difficult and upside down and backwards and broken, it's usually like a lot of the conversations I have in counseling as a pastor. People will come to me and they want to talk and they're like, oh, right now we've got to talk about it. And it was probably building for, to get to that point for a long time. 
And it's probably not just going to snap your fingers and it's all going to get to be better in a, in a moment. So the reality is this, is that there are no shortcuts to this. There, there's no quick fixes. You know, we, and really what has to happen is we have to stop complaining and begin to simply move out of the complacency that we find ourselves in. We've got to get to the point where it's like, okay, there's got to be some changes here. There's got to be something different going on. And we have to realize a few things. And here's one of the, the few things that we've got to realize, that everything is not okay. I mean, if we just have somehow this mentality or this mindset that everything's okay, yeah, it'll work out, and we just kind of hope that somehow it happens, it probably isn't going to happen that way. So we have to realize that that's a big thing and that something is happening. It's kind of like erosion. You know, I, I live over in the Quail Creek area, and we got hills and creeks and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and everything's going on. When you pull into our neighborhood, I'm really concerned about this because there's a house that slowly over the years as we've lived there, every time I go by, I think another six inches of the bank next to their house is disappearing. And I, and I, I kept watching. I was like, man, that thing is, I think it's getting closer. I mean, it, it's probably only 10 or 12 feet away from their house, from the foundation of the house right now. And now there's this massive tree that's, I mean, you probably can't put your arms around it. And it's, it's starting to lean because you can see half the roots. I mean, it's like just, I mean, this is, it's happening. I'm like, somebody's got to get on this, and nobody's doing anything. So I'm just waiting one day, I'm going to come by, and that whole house is going to be in that little creek right there. It's going to be cool. <laughs> you know, but that's kind of how our family situation is. There's an erosion that's taking place that's kind of undercurrent, and it is taking out the foundation, if you will, of what, it, what we need as families to survive. I mean, to be rescued, to find ourselves in that right place. And so there's something eating away at us. And it's kind of like my neighbor's house, you know, and there's all kinds of different videos. You can go online and see all that kind of stuff. But, but what's eroding our families? That's the question. First one. What's, what's eroding our families? And really, that has to do with that one word that is in our text today, wisdom. We need wisdom. We need to know what's going on. We need to know what's happening, and really, according to the text, we need to have some wisdom to be able to figure out, figure out or see, or underst- not understand, but just get a glimpse of what's taking place so I can deal with it correctly. I mean, because a lot of times we can't, we can't fix something if we don't know what the problem is. And that's how I am as a mechanic with my cars. I'm a really good mechanic if I know what's wrong. That's wisdom. But I have, if I don't know what's wrong, there's no way I'm going to fix it. I mean, it just isn't going to happen that way. It's the same way with our families. So we've got to be able to see the signs or the causes that put our families in need of rescue. And there's three things, and I'll just give them to you real quickly. Three things that are eroded in our families. The first one is this, is a lack of a God factor. Pretty simple. That's it. I mean, if you were just, if we just stay there, and we'd, all we talked about today was this idea that somehow we've, we've taken God out of the formula. Somehow we've removed this idea. And for many, the family is struggling because we have simply done this. We've removed God out of the picture. We just took him out of the picture. I mean, whether it be, you know, a generation or two or three ago or, you know, and not to say that generations past had it all together because they didn't. But there's a dynamic that's happening in our culture today that's actually becoming less and less morally driven by an absolute truth that comes from a God. And what happens is we have what, what is called things like situational ethics. Well, it kind of feels good to me, so it's got to be okay. This is what I want to do, so hey, deal with it. I'm not hurting anybody. 
And so what we do is we just slide God off to the side in our ethics and our morals and all these kind of things. And what happens then is we have this erosion that takes place because we've removed out of it the strongest thing that possibly could, possibly could be in our families. It's, it's really simple, but that's what's going on. And so wisdom realizes that God is the foundation of the family. The second one is this, is that there's lack of a, a worthy goal. A lack of a worthy goal. And for, for most, and, and you've got to realize I love you, for most of us, our goal is stuff. It's more stuff. I mean, that's what we're all about. I mean, you know, we, we, in America, our, our biggest struggle <laughs> is materialism, whether you've got a lot of stuff or not. We just want more stuff. And the more stuff actually begins to replace the dynamic of what is supposed to be the foundation for the family. And instead of chasing family, we're chasing stuff. We gotta have a bigger car or newer car and a bigger house and all this, you know, and that's just and, and so what happens is inadvertently, and you can kind of fill in the blanks here, that gets in the way of the family and it begins to erode at what's supposed to take place. And so we're overwhelmed by this, and the pursuit is everything but the relationship that God wants us to have. And then here's the here's the problem. We think we are, quote quote, what we have. We're a happy family because we got new genes on all of our kids. Man, you can be one messed up family and have all the stuff, <laughs> right? You can drive the nicest car and be one messed up family. You can live in the best neighborhood and have a messed up marriage. <laughs> so the stuff really isn't what it is. But somehow we've, we've put into that category the role of family or the importance of family, and we put in the goal of stuff, and it's messed us up. Okay, here's, here's the, the third one. And that's, that's the, that lack, there's a lack of value for life. There's a lack of value for life. And so what happens is life becomes really, really cheap. And I'm not going to get up on a soapbox here and talk about things like abortion. I mean, that's part of life being cheap. I'm not going to get up on, on a soapbox and talk about how divorce is like already set up before we even get married probably isn't going to work, so let's set up a contract so when it doesn't, doesn't work, we've got a way out. And we've got this cheapness that's happening. You know, when, when, when our, our and this, is, this is a weird thing, when our, our old people get older, we're trying to figure out a, a, a nice, comfortable way to discard them. <laughs> right? I'm thinking, if my kids do that, if i got any fight left in me, I'm going to knock them down. <laughs> you know? I'm going to come after them. You know, it's like, come on, you know. But this whole idea that, that somehow we've, we've cheapened life, and because life is cheap, family is cheap, and it doesn't matter, and we, and we live in this throwaway society, and we use and abuse people, family members even, and if it's an inconvenience, we just throw it away. And that's kind of, kind of where we're at. And so because of that, those are the things that erode. And so the wisdom says, I need to see that. The, the God factor, the goal, and the value are really things that are causing me some problems in here. That's wisdom. Okay, the second thing is this. What is the purpose of family? The understanding. That's from our text again. The understanding is that, you know, rescuing our, our, our families from the erosion of the culture around us starts with knowing what God's will is for our families. I mean, what's God want to do? 
And what's the whole point? I mean, you know, if God's got something set up, if, if wisdom tells me that there's a God factor missing and there's a goal that's misplaced and there's a value that's out of control and all those kind of things, what's the, what is the thing that God wants to see happen in our families? I mean, what is it? What, what's the dynamic or what's the piece that's missing? And, so, and, and there's really three main reasons, and there's other ones in Scripture, but there's three big ones, all right? Let me give them to you real quickly. First one is this. You and I are part of a family because we are supposed to be in the business of multiplying or multiplication of his image. That, that's what we're here for. I mean, we're here in a family and in, in, in a marriage and kids and all that kind of stuff so that we can somehow, some way, multiply the image that God originally placed within us. That's, that's why we're here. I mean, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. It says, so God created human, being, human beings in his own image. In other words, God shaped us with an with a, with a essence or presence, if you will, of God himself in us. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So it wasn't by mistake that you actually have a man and you have a woman. I mean, that God did that. And, and, and then it goes on. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, multiply, fill the earth and govern it. I mean, that, I mean that, that was the original command. It's like, here you go, I want you to multiply. And, and the man and woman probably go, ooh, man, this is going to be good. That was a joke. You guys, <laughs> wow, I got here. <laughs> man. <laughs> okay, look at your clock, say you're going to make it. Wow. Well, one thing, you know what I've noticed is you guys got to come, you guys got to get up like an hour earlier because you got to come in here with a little energy, all right? You guys come and go, okay, I'm here. Anyway, side, side point, I'm moving on. So, so this whole idea of multiplication of his image, you know, that, that somehow we would be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, and really what it means is simply this. God wants his image, his presence everywhere that's what god wants and the vehicle that he chose to do it was the family the i mean the the very essence of who god is has its birthplace if you will in transference and the fact that you and i give birth to in marriage children and they come and they reveal or reflect or transfer that image of god in the same way that it would just keep multiplying that's god's plan now, obviously, we're all sitting here going, wait a minute, I don't think that's happening. It's not, because it, there's, there's some things getting messed up again. Again, going back to our, our eroding things that are happening or taking place. And so, God wants His image everywhere, and we are to be busy transferring His image. Here's the problem. We've done pretty good at the physical part. We haven't done really good at the spiritual part. Right? How many of you know it's fairly easy to just have a baby? Right? Some of you are like, well, I don't know that yet. Well, hang on. If you're young, don't, don't get ahead of yourself, all right? Just wait. But you're, you just know, hey, it, that's, that's pretty easy, physically, having a baby. But, but it's a lot more harder to intentionally transfer into that child and into that family setting the image or the presence or the essence of who God is. That's what God is shooting for, not physical babies. 
That's part of it. That's just one little piece. Now, because there's a baby and because there's a marriage, there's the opportunity for this transfer or this multiplication to take place. But really, that's just the beginning. So, so God's into something big here. I mean, God's wanting to do something. Now, you're saying, well, why would he do that? Here's why he would do that. Because God wants to desperately, just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden, have a relationship with every single being on the planet. So in, that's what God's doing. So this whole multiplication of his image thing is really huge to understand the purpose of his family. It's not just so that we can have a lot more people. It's so that God can have a lot more relationships and that so a lot more of his presence or his essence would be available for everybody, all right? Big idea. Here, here's another one. Uh, what is the purpose of family? It's understanding. It's for our completion. For our completion. And so we are complete when we function as we were designed. Here, here's, here's the reality of it. The reality of it, a lot of us feel incomplete because the family is dysfunctional. Right? I mean, that's it. I mean, we, we feel incomplete because the family isn't functioning the way it should function. And, and, but at the same time, the moments, and I, I say moments on purpose, the moments that we have this sense that family's working the way it should work, we go, this is what it should be, and you have a sense of fulfillment and a destiny, and you're like, man, yeah, yeah this feels good. And that's part of this completion thing that God designed us for in family. Now, so here, here's the scripture, Genesis 2, verse 18, now the Lord said, it is not good and, and, and this is from the Amplified Version, so you have all these kind of definitions as you go, sufficient or satisfactory, that man should be alone. In other words, family answers the deepest need of most of our hearts. I need to belong. I need to have a place where I'm valued. I, have, I need to have a place where I fit. I need to have a place where it happens. You say, well, I don't have a family. I don't have a husband. I don't have a wife. You know what? The church becomes family as well. So there's a dynamic that belongs there too. And so it, reads on, it goes on, that man should, not, should be alone. I will make him, God will make him a helper, a, a helper meet, I will make him a helper to meet, I don't know what, I messed up something here on my notes, that's suitable, adaptable, and complementary to him. That somehow God said, that what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a man and a woman, the beginning basis of a family, and out of that basis is going to come this completion. In other words, the sense that, hey, this is what I was made to be a part of. This is how it's supposed to function. And he puts it together. So here, here's the point. We need each other in our families. We need each other in our families. A husband needs a wife. Not just to do the dishes. <laughs> I mean, a husband needs a wife to feel that sense of significance. It, you know, I, I love it when my wife tells me, you're a winner, honey. I remember back in 1992 when she said it. I mean, it just, it just, she's not in here, so I can kind of just go for it. I mean, we need a, a wife, you know, as a husband. As, as a wife, a wife needs a husband. I, we need that. I mean, she needs that. She needs me to, to wrap my arms around her and, and let her know that she's loved, I, I, that, to encourage her and to support her. I mean, do all the things I need to do that. Well, isn't that special? There are two or three of you just put your arm around your wife. <laughs> Doggone it. Bless my pumpkin heart right there. 
And so this whole completion idea, so we need our families, we need, a husband needs a wife, a, a wife needs a husband, a son needs a dad, a daughter needs a mom, a mom needs a child. It's not good to not have family. So it's completion, all right? That's a big part of it. So multiplication of his image, completion for our completion. And the third one, and, and this one's a little bit difficult, more difficult to understand, but it's a divine illustration, living illustration. Your family and my family is supposed to be a reflection of this community of God. That's what it's supposed to be. And so the text, it reads here in Ephesians chapter 5, says, As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one, the beginning of family. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. In other words, there's a dynamic here that we are modeling something that is happening in the heavenlies. Big concept. God, that's what God wants us to do. In other words, or the, what's modeled there is supposed to be modeled for us. I mean, it can go vice, vice versa. And the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And so somehow when the family is functioning the way it's supposed to function, people look at us and they go, man, that's how God acts. That's how God is. And they're supposed to see God in our families. That's the purpose of our families. So the transfer, the, the, the uh, uh, what was the second one? I just lost my tra- Completion. And now this whole idea that we are to be this illustration of what God's doing. So that's all that's going on. So that's the wisdom and the understanding. Now let's just ask the last question. How do I rescue my family? How do I put the foundation in place? If that's what it's supposed to be and that's what's going on, how do I put this, this idea of a foundation in place that isn't going to get eroded by all the stuff that the culture is throwing our way? Okay? And, and here, here, let me just define real quickly uh, a foundation. It's to lay a basis for. I'm going to lay a basis. I'm going to lay this, this groundwork that's going to help me to establish something that's going to last. To lay a basis for, to settle, and here's another side of it, to settle or agree upon an accepted counsel or instruction. In other words, it's a foundational idea. Here, I've got a foundational thought for your life. I've got a foundational instruction for you, counsel for you. And here's what it is. All right, so let me, I, I think there's four of them here. The first one is this, is that we agree, we accept, we grab a hold of to function under God's authority. See, if, if the biggest lack of going on in my life is the, uh, an absence of God's presence in my life, then I need to get back under his authority in my life. That's where I need to start. Psalm 127, one says, if God doesn't build the house, family, the builders only build shacks. How many of you ever felt like that's kind of like your, your family right now? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> That somehow family is just a shack, you know, I've just, and, and sometimes the reason why it's a shack is because I've done it under my own authority, and I haven't put myself under his authority, and so now all I have is junk in my family. And so when we begin to move out from under God's authority, what happens then is chaos. That's the result. See, a lot of us are today in situations in our families that are so upside down, backwards, crazy, and we need to be rescued because we simply ignored God's authority in different areas of our lives, and the, the immediate result in that situation was chaos. 
Whether it was in a husband-wife relationship, a a, a father-son relationship, whatever it may be, it applies to all those relationships in the family. So, we need to operate under a designated structure of authority. In other words, we need to recognize that God is the one running the show. Because if he's not, then I'm in authority. And if I'm in authority, watch out because I'm probably not the guy to be the boss. Right? And let's be honest. And so somehow I'm going to mess this up. And so God wants to run a show, and he wants us to live by his agenda. In other words, to begin to recognize that if we're going to find this family dynamic that God wants us to all experience, then somehow I've got to step under his authority and say, okay, God, you show me the way. I'm going to function under your authority. Now let me just ask a bunch of questions. I'm going to meddle with each one of these. Here's the first one. Am I going to fulfill my God-given role in this family? This has to do with authority. Am am I going to fulfill my God-given role in this family? Am am I going to be the husband I'm supposed to be? Am I going to be the son or the daughter I'm supposed to be? Am I just going to do my thing? Am I going to be the wife I'm supposed to be? Am I going to respect that guy? I mean, come on. Am I going to cherish her? way I'm supposed to? Am I going to listen to my parents? Am I, am I, am I going to accept that? Am I going to take my, my God-given role in this family? And see, what happens is we think we're smarter than God sometimes. And, and here's another one. Men, are you loving your wife the way Christ loves the church? Ever think about that? I don't like that. You know why I don't like that? Because I realize that the church, because I work with the church all the time, is not always the most beautiful thing. Right? I mean, come on. Let's just get really, really honest. Sometimes we stink. Sometimes we got attitudes. Sometimes we got criticism. Sometimes we just screw up. We do things wrong. And you know what Jesus does? I love you. And that's how I'm supposed to love my wife? I don't know. I want her to pay for a couple weeks. I want her to pay for at least a month. I mean, come on. You know? She got to know I'm upset. You know, I mean, somehow that's going to happen. So, men, are you loving your wife the way Christ loves the church? Are you providing spiritual leadership for your family? Are you being a leader? Women, are you supporting your husband or are you trying to manipulate and control him? Kids, are you honoring your parents even though you can't at 13... 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, or 21, or 22, totally understand the wisdom that they have right now. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, I mean, is that happening? So that's a big part of it. So agree to function. Second one is this. Second one is this. Decide. I mean, make, it, make a decision. Agree, the first one. Decide to put love into action. Put it in action. I know, here, here's... Here's the thing. I always look at every time I do a message and I try to find myself, where am I at? You know, this was the hard one for me. It's trying to live out 1 Corinthians 13. Love is, the love is chapter. If you want to go read a great chapter on love, go read 1 Corinthians 13. Love is this, love is patient, love is kind, da, 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 generous, and all those kind of things. And, and, and so I'm reading this, and I'm, oh, Lord, I, I think I struggle with this. Because it's not always un- unconditional in my heart. My love is conditional a lot of times. My love a lot of times is theory and not action. 
My love a lot of times is I've got the right ideas. Matter of fact, I might even be able to write a message about it and get up in front of a group of people and speak about it. But I might struggle to actually do it in my own home. In my own home. So here's, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 3. It says, if, you, if, I, if I give everything I own to the poor, and even if I go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, in other words, I'm so godly, my whole life is just one big sacrifice. If I do all that, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So, so no matter what I say, I mean, I can say all kinds of stuff. No matter what I believe, in other words, I've got all the theology, I've got all the ideas, I've got all the things going on. No matter what I believe and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Love in action, not just the, lo- the concept of love, love in action, because that's really what it's talking about in that whole chapter. And so it's not about the show, it's all about action, it's the substance of behavior. Here's a bunch of questions. Again, I'm going to meddle a little bit. And these were easy for me to come up because I knew they were in my own heart too. Are, are you full of answers with no action? I mean, you've got an answer for everything. But there's not a lot of action that goes with it. All right, uh, can, can you bring everyone's attention, everyone else's attention to what's wrong in this situation but never admit your own faults? That's not love and action. Uh, or do, you, do you show everybody in the world kindness but withhold it from your own family for whatever reason? I mean, it's amazing to me how sometimes I can get up and smile with people I don't even like. <laughs> I'm just be honest. And go home with the people that I love and bite their heads off. What is that? Man, that's, i got to decide to put love in action. I, I get, that's, that's where family's at. That's, that's where it's happening. It's right there. So here, here's another one. Do you jump all over family members when they make a mistake? Do you encourage or do you discourage? Do you yell and treat your family harshly and then treat the world kindly? Or are you always bringing up the past to rub it in their face? <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember back in 1992 when you said that. Jennifer does that to me all the time. 1992 was a bad year. I'm just joking, just kidding. <laughs> but we've got to decide to put love in action. Last two, and then I'm done. Isn't that, and that's this, teach and give respect. Teach and give respect. See, proper, proper discipline creates respect. A lot of people, respect me. You've got to respect me. All right. You know, we do that with our kids a lot of times. You know, this is in a husband-wife relationship. Respect me, you know. I mean, you got to respect me. I'm your wife. I'm your husband. Whatever. I mean, we've got all this thing going on, right? But teach and give respect. See, proper discipline creates respect. If you never say no, for example, the result will be no respect. It's kind of, what? I just let them do whatever they want to do. You go be whoever you want to be, go wherever you want to go, ha, 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 like that. The end result of that is not respect. That's that lack of God factor thing again. And so there's a text in Hebrews that says, in chapter 12, it says, Moreover, we have all had parents who disciplined us, and listen to this last little phrase, and we respected them for it. 
See, there's something to be said about proper discipline at the right time in relationship. And it might be proper discipline in the fact that you held your tongue in a conversation with a husband and wife and didn't say what you really wanted to say and you just need to wait because it wasn't the right time. Or maybe it was with that child that needed that discipline right then. And you say, ah, I don't want to do that. That's too. See, proper discipline at the right time creates respect. And see, right now we live in a funky world because we've got all kinds of problems because where, where there's no respect given and there's no consistency, then there's really no respect. And so some people today are training their families to respect no one inadvertently. They do whatever they want to do. Here's what amazes me. I, I keep running into families that I interact with, and I feel like I'm with them, and this is what I get. This is what I pick up from them. That all the rules for life that matter, the wisdom and the understanding, are just suggestions for them. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck is that? And then all of a sudden, they have all these dynamics that are taking place in their family, and they, the respect issues are all over the charts, and everything's going crazy, and things are, they need rescued, and all this is going on. And all of a sudden, the two things come together. There is no respect for anything, so therefore, there is no respect. And it creates this dynamic. So i got to teach and give respect. So the two problems, no respect given, no consistency, and some people are training their families to respect no one. They do whatever they want. They come and go when they want. They make their rules themselves. And here's the questions. What are you teaching in your family about respect? As a young person, what are you, what are you teaching? The way you interact with your parents, if you're here and you're in the parent role, you know, the, they're my parents. How, what are you teaching about husband and wife relationship about respect what are you teaching are you teaching respect to your family do you do you re- disrespect your boss every time you come home from work you know you know you're like beating the poop out of him every day and the kids are going give him another one dad give him another one what are you teaching you're always critical and crit- complaining about all these other people over here and really what you're doing is you're teaching disrespect so, do, do you call your wife, I don't know why I wrote this one, do you call, call your wife the old lady? <laughs> I mean, if she is, I understand, but if she's not, that's kind of weird. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking again. <laughs> so you go, well, what did you say? I can't believe, I would never say that. My wife would smack me if I said that. That's not respectful. <laughs> anyway, let me, let me close. Here's the, here's the deal. Um. The, here's the illustration. <clears throat> fourth, fourth grade soccer. Great illustration, isn't it? I mean, these kids are out there just trying to figure out how to kick the ball, right? I mean, some of them are a little bit better than others. I mean, you know, they can kick it. And some of them even kind of halfway understand the idea of forwards and, and mids and, and defense players and all that kind of stuff and back line. I mean, there's a couple of them in there. But for the most part, they're just trying to figure out how to kick the ball. Then you've got a crowd of moms and dads. Give him it all, man. Come on, take it in. Score. Score. Foul. Foul. Ref, you suck. What the heck is that? Now, I, don't, I think some of you are laughing at that person. Now, when you do that, what are you teaching? Disrespect. I have a rule. When I go to basketball games, I have four shout-outs. One per quarter, 
And I time them perfectly, and it's one thing I say, come on, ref. So when the whole crowd is quiet, there was a bad foul. Come on, ref! <laughs> and Jennifer goes, that's one. <laughs> Been doing that for years. You know, but I mean, we've got to understand, this is, this is how it happens. So anyway, respect is not only given, but it's also earned. You get what you put in. You pra- if you practice what you preach, you're going to get it, right? So if you've blown it, go and admit it. It's that simple. If you've blown it, go and admit it. Go to your family and say, hey, I've blown it. I wasn't f- fulfilling the role that God put me here to do, and I apologize, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? All right? Get back under God's authority in your life. That's the key. Last thing, and that's this. Enjoy the fruit of family. Enjoy the fruit of family. How many of you would like to enjoy the fruit of family? Yeah. <laughs> right? This is how you get here. All right? Here's, here's a verse. God designed this whole thing for your family to be a blessing, a happy place, right? Psalm 128, verse 1 through 4 says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord and live in His way. Fear is this idea of awe and respect for God. You will certainly eat what your own hands have provided. In other words, you won't feel like life is wasted. Okay? Blessings to you. May things go well for you. I'm liking this. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine inside your home. In other words, it's always refreshing. It's always good. It's the way it was supposed to be. Now, here, some of you, this next part is going to blow your mind. Because it's kids. Your children will be like young olive trees around your table. Woo, does that get you excited? No, it doesn't. Actually, it should. Because it's this idea that there's a, a blessing that is coming from that. In other words, you're sitting around the table going, this is good. I can see the fruit of this for years to come. And it's good. That's what God wants us all to have. And so this is how the Lord will bless the person who fears Him. Let's pray. Lord, I ask today um, that You would help us. Oh, God, that You would help us. That You would help us to be the families that You created us to be. Lord, even if there's those in this room right now that are single, Lord, it, it really isn't about if I'm married or not, God. It's about whether or not I'm accepting Your authority over my life and whatever role I'm in right now. And so, Lord, we just yield ourselves and we say, Lord, we we fear and honor you. And we put ourselves, agree to put ourselves under your authority in our lives. Lord, forgive us for all the things that we've done. Lord, forgive us for all the things that we've done that have been outside of your will and your purpose. May we lay the foundation starting this day. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.